0: Welcome to Foam Talks. My name is Miralfa Berghout, curator of talent programs at Foam, and you're now listening to the new season of Foam Talks, Talent Edition. All talks welcome one artist from this year's Foam talent selection and one guest speaker with a shared interest or research field. Within every episode, we dive into the theme and their approach from which the artist will speak about their projects, motivations, and dreams. In this second episode, we welcome Paavo Marinovic, a Bosnian-Croatian artist who is traversing the fields of identity, post-conflict societies, and collective memory. Within the episode, we're joined by Barbara Grekov, one of the curators of Organ Vida Photography Festival, and writer who works around the topics of feminism, girlhood, and queerness in popular culture and contemporary art. Hello, Pafo. So great to have you here on the Phone Talks. How are you doing?
1: Hello, Mirava, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: I'm good. I'm um, currently in Amsterdam. Uh, where are you joining us from?
1: I am in Paris right now.
0: In Paris, and is that where you're based at the moment?
1: I am based in Paris. That's between Paris and Switzerland. Exactly.
0: Ah, amazing. And um, I was wondering if you can... Um, Like, let's start off and talk about where your love for photography started.
1: Um, From as far as I can remember, it goes quite back sometime. I think it was the first interaction I had with a camera was when I was maybe 15 years old, I would say. And um, I was always luckily surrounded by a lot of creative people from a very early age. Also, um, a lot of my friends uh, are designers or working in fashion. And there was at some point in, in my life where I was a lot like documenting other friends' work through photography or, or doing images with, with their work. And that's, I think, how I, I mean, yeah, I think my fascination with photography started with, with portraiture and, and kind of fashion photography, I would say. And then through the time, I kind of left off these fields a bit and started to, to, to discover other fields of photography. Also, especially through, through my, I studied um, photography in Ekal, in Lausanne. And this is also where I was able to discover other forms of photography or even other other mediums. So that's where my fashion practice, let's say, stopped a little bit, and I and I got into other other fields,
0: other other genres of photography,
1: of- exactly, or even other mediums that are cl- like other visual mediums, let's say, that are installations or videos, and really more the the experimentation, the discovery of the, of the medium of, of photography or yeah. what, what an image can be.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I love that you just um, touched upon a few uh, elements, actually, of the series um, that uh, we've been in touch about a lot. Um, can you speak a little bit about um, the project you did, Marble Ass, with, which I believe also came about during your time uh, at École?
1: Exactly yes. Um, Marble Ass is a uh, is my diploma work that I did at Ekal in 2020 when I graduated, and it is a Marble S is a multidisciplinary photographical research on how masculinities are constructed in post-conflict societies. I come I come from two Bosnian-Croatian migrated parents, um, so my work is. In the ex yugoslavian today, the Balkan context that I'm talking about, and um, what was interesting to me in the um, while I was doing this project, or the question that I that I wanted to maybe not necessarily find answers to, but but um, dig into it and research it and learn more about it was how or to what extent um, gender and identity. And sexuality are influenced or constructed um, by political or uh, social or cultural transitions.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and before we get more into the themes uh, of that specific project, I'm I'm wondering because um, it's it's a quite theoretical approach to mm-hmm. topics, and I'm wondering if there was any like. Uh, personal moment that led you into having to define these, these elements that are part of the work for yourself? Um, because, yeah, when did you realize that uh, being from this uh, Eastern European background had an effect on how you uh, viewed or why you thought these uh, points were important for you?
1: I mean, um the fact that I that um I come from an immigrated family, it is like the 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 Balkan culture or the Eastern European culture was still like through my whole life very present in how I was raised, how values were taught to me, but there was always this this um fascinating thing to me that for example when I was when I was visiting my my grandparents or my or my grandmother, and when I wanted to learn about my family's history or my history through photography, um, there was always this part that these archives, because of the history, don't even exist anymore, and and that I just have documentation of of my family's lives just from a certain point on, and also this is where photography allowed me to on myself to educate and to discover things that um, are probably big influences on how, how I am thinking and how I see things.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so then um, this resulted in a multidisciplinary um, project. And maybe we can uh, speak a little bit about the elements that make up this, this project. Of course. Um, first of all, one of the elements that I was personally very much uh, drawn to, uh, as it surprised me in a bit, I thought it was a very clever way um, uh, into um, approaching the construct of masculinity as an an actual physical construct so maybe you can speak a bit about the architectural elements that we can see in your work
1: the project has four different typologies of images that interact and and um coexist with each other and um one of them is as you mentioned the 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 part of of these collages that that refer to to territory to architecture and um what what the, what the idea was behind it, it? For me, was very fascinating to document or to to visualize a territory that is over and over being destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed in terms of space or space and time. And this was kind of the yeah the also a big important base of the. Of the project in itself, because at the end, it everything was. I mean, more or less, um, is about the construction within this territory.
0: Yes, and then um, those images of the uh, buildings that we see are those images that you took yourself, or is that also archival material?
1: Sorry, I didn't. I didn't understand the question.
0: Um, the images of the the architectures. Are those images you took yourself or is that archival material? Uh, yeah,
1: the, the collages are purely my own photography.
0: Yes. This yeah. is something that, of course, we spoke about uh, at length in the time um, uh, leading up to the Foam Talent exhibition. Although mm-hmm. I do think it's important for us to discuss it uh, right now as well um, because as I've been dealing with Uh, People experiencing your work in the exhibition, Mm -hmm. uh, I found myself um, thinking along the work in a a different way. The questions that I'm getting, um, people are are trying to figure out uh, in what way you positioned yourself when you took the uh, self-portraits, for instance. Um, so the collages, as you said, have uh, a four different typologies of images. And another one of that is, are those um, self-portraits? So how did that go about? Where did you find yourself? What uh, emotional state did you find yourself in when making those self-portraits?
1: Um, in this project, it was also the very first time I even dared to go in the fields of self-portraiture because I personally find it one of the most challenging things, especially, I mean, artists in general, not only photographers, but artists in general can have. So already that was kind of um, a big challenge to me. And then in terms of, in the context of, of my project, it was more that I wanted to, um, the, the two the, the four typologies that exist they were not net, they were all being created separately from each other at the point while I was doing the self-portrait and um they came together at the end. I was not even sure if all of this is gonna be be part of the project in itself but um to be honest i I think it came up very naturally because i I had this idea that I wanted to. To have the the uniform be part of of the images, but I was not really sure in what way I want to show it. So I decided to to basically create imagery that is almost purely a documentation of a performance. That you have nothing else, any any other information in the image, a part of this male presenting body interacting with the uniform. And I also tried in some way to even depersonalize myself or my own identity from these images. I, I, for example, also shaved my, my hair or I just really wanted to completely be as detached of myself as possible in a certain way and only really show the interaction between these two elements, the the body and the uniform.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, I'm giggling a little bit because I remember um, after seeing the images and then seeing you in person. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, there was hair. <laughs> uh, no. But, um, in that sense um, I'm wondering what it meant for you to see all of those layers coming together in uh, in other locations as in within the museum context what did that do for you?
1: I mean it is always very very nice very beautiful to see very it's a beautiful experience to to see your work be presented somewhere that allows allows the context also to to be able to reflect on the subject that is important and close to you. Even people that would not necessarily maybe speak or think about it. So that is always uh, a very beautiful experience.
0: Yeah. And those typologies are very much linked uh, to the uh, archetype of uh, specifically Eastern European masculinity, Um, Do you feel like um, that translated in the way you wanted it to a a large audience? Um, Because after our conversations, I learned uh, through those conversations that um, the militant aspect of that identity is a very important one. So um, maybe you can speak a little bit about that
1: um in terms of if i think i presented it in a way that i'm happy or yeah that i'm happy with i i think so because i also speak from a position of growing up in the western european context but living in a eastern european household so there was there was always these two poles that were in conflict together where it also in the in the context I grew up in there there are some certain expectations or some certain stereotypes people are almost expecting you to represent but also then there is in some ways some kind of truth behind these stereotypes in certain ways and for me what was what was um important as well as in the self-portraits um, there was this thing that I didn't want to I want to, I wanted, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to take position that is from the beginning, a position of, um, criticism or a standpoint point that is anti, but I really wanted to put myself into this and blow it up even more and criticize it in that way, actually to go over the top with, with, with this cliche, with this cliche or this stereo or this stereotype
0: yes definitely and that is uh, of course also very much tied to that post conflict uh, context that um these works are also placed against uh in terms of the history of uh, uh um former Yugosl- yugoslavia uh, and so forth um specifically uh in terms of of location um this is uh, something that is uh, yeah v- very, very uh, tied to the people, to the to society, and, and all that they've effect- been affected by in history. Um, and um, one of the reasons why we also invited uh, Barbara uh, to this conversation is her understanding of this context. So Barbara, I, I was wondering if you um, could speak a little bit about uh, what strikes you in the way that um, uh, location uh, plays a role in the work of uh, Pafo.
2: Uh, hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. Uh, so to answer your question, Mirava, um, I think when we're talking about the Balkan context, when we're thinking about it through Western perspective, It is something that is always or usually perceived uh, as a very uh, homogenous space in one way. And in another way, it's um, as a space, as a culture that is uh, backward thinking and that is uh, necessarily uh, homophobic. Uh, So what I am seeing uh, in uh, Paolo's work is a very intelligent play with certain stereotypes of, both uh, masculinity, uh, but in another way, um, a very um, interesting conversation with the queer culture of of the area that, uh, that uh, exists despite uh, the prejudices that we uh, usually encounter when we're talking about uh, the Balkans. Uh, I think this this uh, position that, that uh, Paolo Uh, spoke about, about the dislocation, about this uh, conflict between uh, two identities, about him him growing up in the Western context, but also coming from a a Balkan household, so to say, Uh, that these discrepancies that this position creates are very visible in his work in uh, different uh, in different framings uh, in different in different juxtaposition of various types of images that you both uh, mentioned that are present uh, in this artwork and I think that they really um, that they beautifully talk about the uh, a lot of glitches in social fabric that actually happened uh, with uh, with uh, the I'm sorry. Uh, that and all the glitches in social fabric that happened with uh, the with uh, forming uh, n- forming uh, nation states be- uh, after the war uh, in building national identity of every country um, former Yugoslavia. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that all of the Balkan countries uh, are ex- are kind of experiencing the similar the similar uh, scenarios regarding to uh, the process of Europeanization, uh they all of them are trying to uh adopt certain uh, legislatures regarding human rights regarding lgbtr rights uh, in order to boost their eu membership chances and this uh this creates um a very mm, sort of some weird situations in uh, uh, in in the living lives of LGBTI and queer people in the in the area. There, at the one at one at one time, we're having uh, very liberal uh, laws and legislatures, but the the country or the the people are still. Uh, in a way, homophobic. So we're seeing uh, we're seeing very uh, very awkward positions, and we're seeing queer bodies between these Western ideals uh, and uh, a country that is still living uh, in the past regarding uh, human rights of LGBTI people.
0: Yeah. And and specifically those those glitches that you've mentioned, um, how do they uh, play a role in your own practice? Because I know you you are very um, um, active on that sense. So
2: yes, okay. So what I'm uh, when we're talking about these glitches, uh, I I immediately thought of one quote, but uh, the Marxist philosopher Antonio Gramsci, who was talking. About uh, when he was talking about different social structures, he said that uh, the, the the morbid symptoms in a society happen when all is dying, and uh, new is not there yet. Uh, so we have this uh, situation of a crisis. That this is where crises occur when something is dying. The old traditional homophobic values are dying, but. The fact that they're dying means that, that they're not dead yet, actually, and the new is coming, but it's not there yet. It is not adopted. It is not something that is uh, visible, cre- clearly visible, in the in the behavior and the practices and in, uh, in everyday life uh, of, in this case, LGBTI people. So this is the position that when we're talking about uh, whether we whether we try to. Uh, address this issue from a from a critical perspective within the arts or even within the within the some more political uh, political context uh, on lgbt activism this also creates uh, a very uh, confusing uh, a very confusing um it's very confusing to 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 people how to address it it uh, it needs it uh, actually asks you to um Kind of think about the the, the right strategy uh, to uh, to address this to address this compl- complexity. So I would say it's something like that. So this is something I think that Powell managed to did uh, uh, really well, like not trying to uh, necessarily uh, be in just one position, but trying to, but try to tell us about the mechanism of, he showed us the mechanism of trying something, something like that, like not, not giving us the answer, but uh, presenting us with the, with the possibility, with the possibility of trying to be uh, in a position that, that he was, that he's asked to be in.
0: Bafo, I believe there's a lot in what Barbara just said that resonates with you. Um, is there any specific part of that that um, uh, you would like to uh, speak on?
1: I mean, I'm I'm very glad that that she read out what I was really trying to also present in my work, and also that there is, yeah. I mean, as she said, I I tried to still keep multiple ways of answering or talking about about the subject open and, and not, not to not only to, to have my my own proper opinion and point of view on the subject, but also interacting with, with every with every with everything that is around me in, a, in some way, in some way. And that influences me still even even if we not necessarily agree always with it.
0: Yeah, and in terms of of um, that that um, merging of of two identities being brought up in a in more of a Western context, but then uh, putting that against the Eastern European upbringing, a, a question to you both: In what ways or in what areas are you still um, using these tragedies to uh, um, further understand or further develop a language around? Um, What is
2: uh, most challenging around that, actually? Well, um, I don't know about Pavel, but I can maybe talk from my personal perspective. Um, I grew up, of course, and I grew up in Croatia. I was born and grew up in Croatia, uh, and I still live here. So when I'm thinking about the conflict, when I'm thinking about the war, when I'm thinking about uh, Yugoslavia, that is something that w- really marked my uh, my uh, upbringing, but it is also something um, that I didn't experience firsthand. I did, but I was born in the 1990s, so I was born during the war, so I don't have I I don't have a exact uh, experience of it uh, in a physical way. I don't remember it. I remember I'm I'm actually relived it through other people's uh, through other people other people's memories, and it was uh, something that was impossible not to relive uh, in this way. But also, it was a very very weird situation for a kid and for our generation because you were kind of forced to think about it, to think about all these horrors, about all this trauma, and you saw people dealing with it on an everyday basis, and you saw this being the main topic of art, of culture, of something that has been really uh, well explored and documented, but at the same time, you, you don't feel the direct connection to it. So it's... It's a weird position. It's a weird position, but it is something that, for a very long time, um, has been a very, has been a present uh, a present topic and a present issue in I think uh, all the Balkan countries. So in that way, I think it determined a lot of people's um, you know, work paths, like career uh, career choices, or maybe even topics that that we're dealing with. For example, such as Pavo or even we're think- when I'm thinking about other, I don't know, when I'm thinking about artists that are maybe like Marina Abramović or I don't know, uh, Sanja Iveković, some maybe like super known out artists who build their career basically um, thinking about this Balkan identity and, uh, and the trauma that the area is uh, uh, um, kind of burdened with actually.
1: For me, um, as well as Barbara just said, I was not directly um, living the experience. I come from a from a family where my parents and my siblings were affected more of it than I was. That I came years later. I, I was born years later in another context but what was interesting to me even as barbara said even because of those questions and maybe that i even had a bigger distance to the experience itself as barbara had it just continued for a very long time to be very present in many people's lives and how they were constructed and how they until today think and live their lives and this is this is this is to me what is very marking also that I see myself living and see my work and see my, my, my thoughts that are often go back to to the region's history without even having lived it. And that's to me what that is so and yeah, that's so yeah, I, I don't even I don't know what the right word is, but it's just I don't think it's gonna stop soon because it's gonna be marking I think for a very long time as well. I mean, we still still today. The the, I was I was born when the war started to end, and you you still and I am I'm 26 now and it's uh you still in in some ways you still feel what happened so, so such a long time ago. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and Barbara, as a, a curator of Organ Vida. Um, What do you see happening uh, in terms of visual language of these image makers that you show uh, in terms of dealing with themes like this and themes of belonging? Uh, Is there something that strikes you when looking at that?
2: Yes. Um, Well, uh, for example, in Powered Work, this was... I think that power's approach to to uh, to topics of um, gender identity and gender expression was uh, really refreshing to me. Uh, if I'm thinking about um, photography in general, uh, the most common type of imagery that I that I have encountered um, when uh, seeing work that were trying to um, Deal with the issues of gender identity, especially uh, in relation to the Balkan area. The, this was always very classic uh, portraiture. Uh, it was always um, it was always works, or usually this was works whose I think attention was to educate the the viewer or to. Kind of present uh, present uh, various uh, gender identities or uh, sexualities uh, to um, I would say a broader public. Uh, Works that for me uh, were saying okay, so these are there are queer people in the Balkans, even though uh, they are not uh, very visible usually, and this is how they look like. They exist. They are. They kind of try try to educate the viewer, which is something that I didn't see in Power's work, and which I really really liked. And this is also something that I think um, uh, marked uh, the Germanic uh, film that Power is referencing. This this uh, type of representation that is not uh, that is not aimed uh, at educating uh, the viewer or. Uh, presenting um, queer bodies that are struggling with this notion of homonormativity. If I'm thinking about um, representation of queer bodies generally, generally in the popular culture, not necessarily related to the Balkans, I think we can all agree that nowadays we are seeing a lot of a lot more diversity in the context of popular culture and in the context of photography but my own my personal opinion is that usually these representations are limited because I think that a lot of um directors, if I'm talking about film, are trying to like put all existing identities or or all or uh, uh, a lot of a lot of different experiences into just one one piece of work, which kind of, uh, and then it, I think that the work it loses its depth. I don't think this is the solution, actually. I think, uh, uh, I think for me, it is more interesting to see works like Pavos, who are not offering us um, like easy way out. They're not offering us uh, um, uh, a queer body or a queer perspective that is uh, that is clear. They're they're telling us that this is also something that uh, that requires a lot of uh, negotiation with oneself, something and with the society and within different contexts that uh, that this uh, queer body or this queer perspective is uh, related to.
0: Yes, thank you so much. And a baffle, what aspects of the work by um, Zelimir Zilinik were very important for you and led you to creating uh, your project Marble Ass?
1: Um, so I called my project after the movie, after the English version of the title of the movie, um, which is Marble Ass, um, because it was Marble Ass is really a movie that um, marked me very, very strongly because I. Through the context I grew up in, I was not often confronted with um, uh, queerness in the culture I was I was consuming, and um, when I saw this movie, I saw it way years later than when it came out. I saw it maybe eight years ago, <laughs> and um, and it was it was in my teenage years, and it was really I was just so impressed and surprised by the way what uh, where Merlin, Merlinka the main character is shown in such a position of 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 power and and she's just this independent strong trans woman living in a time that is that to me almost seemed impossible to be able to express herself in the way she was represented in this movie was was really just very marking to me, and um, it was not, not like this came very spontaneously to call to call my my project like this because also the ways after when I when I rethought about the movie while I was doing this project and and the the it also seemed very it kind of made a lot of sense to me in terms of the content of my images that I was showing also independent of of the, the movie calling this project Marble Ass to me had something a lot of marble referring to, to, to statues, statues showing some kind of ideology. And then ass as the second word was to me it's like the, the big contrast of it all, and also kind of very um that th- there is there is um erotic behind it and all like just these two poles interacting together in the name with or without the movie was to me, it made a lot of sense to me. And at the same time, I was very happy to pay homage to this movie.
0: Uh, Barbara, when you hear Pavos speak on the significance of this movie, is that something
2: that you can relate to? Uh, yes, I absolutely agree with everything Pavo said. Um, I... Personally, really, really love the movie, uh, but I think also that it has a very um, important part uh, in uh, in uh, Balkans LGBTI uh, cinematography. Uh, I think uh, I think it's maybe interesting to to say that the movie uh, was shot, I think, in the nineteen ninety five, but in the middle in the mid nineties. And uh, this is the the age where the first uh, Pride marches uh, in the Balkan area happened around 2000, 2001, I think. 2001, I think. So uh, we're talking about the the, the age where um, LGBT rights are are non-existent, basically, and we're having characters who are uh, super emancipated, as uh, as Paolo said, and who are. Um, and who are very queer, so to say. Uh, I think this is also something that is still groundbreaking, uh, even in uh, even when we're thinking about to this about, day, yeah. To this day, yes, because a lot of other films. I was trying to remember a lot of uh, LGBT films that were made in the in the uh, ex-Yugoslavian context. Uh, now I don't think that there's anyone, any film that is as progressive as this. Still to this day, um, and I I think this because most of the most of the the LGBTI uh, films um, are still um, trying to tell this uh, coming out story in the homophobic environment. This is the dominant narrative that is uh, presented in the uh, in in the Balkan cinema still, and uh, Marble Ass is doing. Quite the opposite. It is, uh, it is giving us characters who are living their lives, uh, despite the environment that is um, against them. They're not. Uh, they're. They are. They are out to their friends. They're out to their community, which is the reality of the situation. So they're. In a way, this film is was meant for a queer audience. Uh, and I think this is exactly why it resonated so much with the with the queer audience, with Pavo. And I think it still resonates with a lot of a lot of uh, people today. It does not. It does. Uh, it does show very traumatic uh, life stories. We're having trans women living in a country that does not have any laws that could protect them, who are sex workers, who are aware, who are like owning every possible aspect of their life, and they're not trying to. They're not trying to fit. Uh, any, any idea, uh, they cannot, they're like, they're so much out of the society. They're a complete, uh, they're non-existent, basically. So the society does not even recognize them in a way they, they, they recognize themselves and uh, the way they're identifying themselves. So I think it's a really, uh, I think it's a really a breakthrough, um, a breakthrough film. And I think it was very interesting to see, uh, that this is, um, that this is a docudrama, and I think this is something that uh, is also visible in Powers' work, that this movie is uh, built uh, in one way on really real-life situations, but it, there, are also, there are also some fictional elements, and we cannot say for sure w- what is fact, what is fiction. I think this kind of translates with, with Powers' work uh, in a way.
0: Um, and why was that an important element for you to include bafo that that discrepancy or that the blurring of the line between fact and and fiction
1: um because I knew that i didn't wanna i didn't want my work to be a documentary work or a documentary on my experience, and I think doing it the way I did and including the imagery that I included allowed me to. As I said at the beginning, to sometimes exaggerate things to make them more clear or more or make make people more aware of the problems that are behind it. That um, yeah, that I think that was the what allowed me to do it. That going into a fictional parts of it. Or using fictional, not not necessarily fiction, but the part where I also use imagery of popular media, was also a way where, um, th- through the through the fragmentation of the images that I did with with these images, I kind of had a control of how this image that is not at all supposed to have an homoerotical aspect to it, and with me decomposing it and I, I, I it's a very powerful act as an artist of as a photographer to to change the the intention of the image and that's where I through the fiction and through documentary as yes, for example in the in the in the collages, and to mix these parts together was uh, was was very important to me to to keep them both in in the work at the at, at the end.
2: Yeah. Uh, When I was looking at Paula's photographs, uh, actually, one thing came in mind uh, that that also was, I think, can be connected with with Marble Ass, uh, the film, uh, is uh, this idea of failure. I was thinking about this uh, very interesting book and the theory concept by by queer theorist uh, Jack Halderson, who was writing about, uh, the book is called The Queer Art of Failure, and he's kind of considering a failure as a starting point uh, of uh, critiquing uh, both uh, capitalism and patriarchy and uh, homonormativity and homophobia, etc. Um, what he actually means by this is that we're living in a society that, that um, usually... Uh, Kind of presents uh every everything that is uh, outside the norm does not fit norm whether this norm uh, is um, whether this norm is um heterosexuality or this this norm uh, kind of relates to uh, queer bodies but queer bodies that are acceptable uh, and it has some ideals also presented uh ideals that also queer bodies should embody uh, if they want to be accepted in a, in a society. So uh, this, this type of failure is something that I think every, every queer person or every queer artist encounters, how to be uh, queer but all, but uh, do uh, when I'm queer do I need to like fit into this ideal okay do I need to uh, do I need to like uh, register for a civil partnership do I need to have this like family life that is very and all these uh, structures that are very similar to to traditional um, heterosexual family and so on. So uh I think in Power's work I was very curious about why there is uh, in certain images we can see uh, the camera in the image. Uh for me I was thinking oh, so why is why is the camera here? So I was thinking maybe okay uh he was trying to 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 uh, like uh, picture this image or do this portrait but as you said it is something this is something that is very hard. So I think that like building this process in it was kind of, for me, suggested that uh, it could be a failure, or maybe that you have failed to do it in, in a certain in a, in a certain way. So this was something that you wanted to incorporate in, 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 a, in a way. And I'm thinking, and when I'm thinking about failure in the context of Jillnick's film, um, it is also th- these bodies that are, th- these, uh, these characters are also not able to uh, to embody uh, any type of ideal or or the ideal of a um, uh, of a good citizen that is that is uh, that is existing in in their society in the society that they live in. So it was inter- it was just an interesting thought I think to think about these works.
1: I mean, it was for sure also um, there there was this idea behind it also the series of myself portraits that. It is every picture that I took is a try to to do this perfect portrait with the uniform, but the series just continued and continued and continued that at the end the work itself is the process of it, but there is never an end result to it. And that was as you yeah, as you could see, there was also yeah, my idea behind it. And the fact of me choosing to take the portrait to put a mirror on the floor and Put the camera and myself on top of the mir- mirror and show this process of climbing around the camera and trying to find the, the good angle, let's say, or the, or the perfect light that it just never happened. And it makes just at the end what the imagery is, is just the, the body being shown in a uh, weird or uncomfortable position.
0: I thought it was very beautiful to see how uh, those ideas were also translated in the physicality of your work, the way that there's a three-dimensional aspect to the presentation. Uh, and I was wondering how you both think that um, these ideas around uh, failure, those ideas around uh, constructing identities, can be translated in physical spaces more. I'm thinking about curating, but also thinking about how to create the work on an uh, artistic side.
1: Um, on my part, I I am a. Uh... Still figuring out and reflecting on how this, for example, in my case, marble as could continue to exist in different forms or in different spaces. and um, it is to be honest when I don't have a clear answer for it now, I am um, continuing to experiment also different mediums maybe, but um, I don't unfortunately I don't really have a clear answer.
2: I haven't seen it's the exhibition, so uh, it's uh, it's now difficult for me to to ima- to know exactly what you did and then then give maybe this curatorial perspective. But um, what I am I think that the work uh, what I really liked about it uh, and is this. Uh, as Pavel said, I think there were different types of images that are that are shown that are necessarily in different uh, that can be put in very different um, interaction uh, with each other. Um, I think this offers a lot of possibilities for a curator to to see what to emphasize in some um, certain in in a certain exhibition. Sometimes I don't know you could decide what to focus on in order. Uh, to say what you mean, what you want to say with the with this exhibition, I think this would also uh, depend depend a lot about whether this is a solo show, whether this uh, whether this work is shown um, within a group exhibition. Um, I, I would th- these were th- these will be, for example, some some um, thoughts that I would have depending on the context in which I'm showing this work but what i did like is this uh this um going uh, into the space and uh, not, this project not not being just uh, just uh, a photography that is uh, in a fixed frame i think that everything that we talked uh, that we talked about here is uh, how pavo's work is uh, trying to break different frames and different framing even these collages are kind of juxtapositioned to each other so I think a lot of your a lot of uh, paolo's work is about uh, framing about frames and about uh, being in in two positions or negotiating with the different different positions and different uh, <laughs> Frames, literal and and non-literal. So uh, I think this is something that should be definitely reflected in the in the exhibition uh, setups. How this would, of course, depend on various on various um, um, circumstances, but. I think I would, I definitely know what I wouldn't do at all and this is just frame these photographs and put them on a wall. I think uh, this would uh, be terrible and it would not uh, correspond with the idea of the work.
0: Well, Barbara and Pafo, thank you so much uh, for um, offering uh, your perspectives on uh, both Pafo's work, but also uh, photography uh, and uh, Eastern European context. Um, I'm very happy to have had you as guests here at Foam Talks, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank, thank you for having us. Yeah,
2: thank you.
1: Thank you very
0: much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Foam Talks. The work of Pavo Marinović will be on show at FOAM as part of the Talent Exhibition until the 18th of January, 2023. This episode of FOAM Talks was brought to you as a part of the FOAM Talent Program. And the annual Talent Issue of FOAM Magazine are supported by the Deutsche Börse Photography Foundation. As always, keep an eye on our social media for the next episode. Until next time!